Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we hope there's a planet out there made of beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week, day, we're reading Bewilderment by Richard Powers, and starting with a beer. Well, we lied, because this isn't a beer. This is a cider. But what is cider but the beer of trees? This is from Artifact. That checks out. And it's yeah. called Wild Thing. I can't believe we've never had that before. <laughs> this makes my heart sing. It's cider. I Does it make everything groovy? groovy? Yeah, pretty groovy. Oh, uh, yeah, it's fucking cider, you know? I'd, uh, it's a rule-breaking cider. Is it? I don't know. It seems to follow the rules. It's made with 100% Macintosh apples, which would make it much more of a rule follower, but... But it doesn't wait a half hour after eating before it swims, so it's Ooh, pretty rebellious. Wild. <laughs> it runs with scissors. <laughs> it There's wipes a... back to front. <laughs> oh, God. Why would it it's do that? It's got like a really foul taint. Uh, it's got a star rating on the back. Two stars out of five for sweetness. Four for acidity. And one for sh- Structure? Structure? Is the five-star one solid? I don't know what that one means. Couldn't tell you. This anyway, one has like cider. no scaffolding. It's, it's an yeah, unsafe. I feel like liquids zone. don't usually have much in, in the way of structure. Maybe it's molecular structure. In which There's case, a lot I, of really, I really understand some shit the, going on there. Yeah, I, I don't understand the five-star rating for that. It's gluten-free, though, Ugh. which really is you know my main concern. I was going to shit blood for a week after this, but since I'm, I'm having too much gluten. Huh? From having too much gluten, you're just shit blood? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, if, if you're really gluten sensitive, then like the other 2,000 beers we've had must have been a problem for you. I haven't said anything for years. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think we only record once a week? The other six days are a nightmare. <laughs> so, Much like the world in this book. Yeah. Um, Richard Powers, uh, we've, we've done Dick one of Powers. his books before. Yeah, Dick Powers, as he's known to his to his friends. Dickie P. <laughs> he, he was the author of The Overstory, which won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 2019, I think. And this is his first novel since then. So he waited, you know, a whole 20 months. Way to fucking take your time to write his another book. And uh, this is shortlisted for the Booker Award this year. And we're trying to read... A bunch of them. I don't think we're going to get through the whole short list. All the short ones. We're going to read the short ones. We're going to read the short ones of the (laughs) The short list. And now that we may have figured out how betting odds work, the ones that are more likely to win. (laughs) Uh, We're still not sure. (laughs) I'm pretty confident that I I'm correct about that. (laughs) That if something's a thousand to one odds, that's not very good. It's unlikely. Two to one odds. It's very good. So 10 to 1 odds, like, we could see the, the pattern. But when it's, like, 35 to 27, well, that's then when it's like to break down Turn it into, a, a, like, a mixed number or something. I haven't so cross-multiplied in 15 years, and I'm not going to fucking start now. So, like, 7 to 2 is 3.5 to 1. To 153. Right? Anyway, <laughs> uh, this book, Bewilderment, is set in, like, the now, basically, the present day, and follows... Um, main character's name is Theo, and he is a astrobiologist or something like that. He's a professor mm-hmm. of, of science fiction. And He's better at biology than astronomy, but he does some of both. And he, it's really, the focus is primarily though on his son, Robin, who is, what's the right word? Non-neurotypical child. Yeah. Neurodivergent. But not uh, that shitty book, being neuro... Um, Abnegation or whatever. (laughs) He's a kid who's on the autism spectrum. He has some sort of attention issue on top of that. And he's obsessive compulsive and he has like, he goes into rages. So he's like a kid who is certainly not easy to teach in a conventional setting. And the dad is always running afoul of the school that they send him to. That they're always kind of like threatening to like send him to the, or report him to the state. Or like, go get your kid medicated, dude. Um, which I'm sure some schools do that to children that are not, you know, compliant or fit very neatly into whatever the school's strategy for teaching is. And they're also, the also, you know, grieving uh, the loss of uh, the mom who died before the book takes place. 
I forget exactly how long, but two years. Not very, not terrible. A year long. or two. Yeah. But the kid is only nine, so it's pretty pretty traumatic thing to happen to a kid. And the mom died in a car accident, so it wasn't like you know it's pretty pretty violent, shocking end. And the dad, what he does is look for planets, exoplanets that fall into the Goldilocks zone of how you know, their distance from their star and try well, to... Well, at some point they say that he, they kind of move past the idea of the Goldilocks zone. Well, I mean, they're still looking... I mean, he, his whole thing is like life... Could, his, his, his theory is that... Because the Goldilocks zone is the idea that there's a certain like sweet spot for a planet that's not too cold, not too hot, that liquid water can be there and life could de- evolve there. But... That's kind of continued on life evolving more or less in the same way we exp- it evolved on Earth. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, this guy who read a whole lot of science fiction and also, I guess, based on study of extremophiles, like those like weird microbial things they keep finding. The stuff that live on the ocean thermal they, like, live vents. On vents and they're like sulfur-based creatures and stuff like this. Like, life could probably evolve in, evolve in all sorts of places. It doesn't have to be just in the Goldilocks zone. But... So his job at the university, and this is like it kind of a yeah, it is definitely a point of the book. At is he he's more of a biologist than the astronomer, and he develops these mathematical models for what could happen on a planet, and then figures out so if we could actually get any, if we could actually get a telescope to actually look at any of these exoplanets and get a and get a spec, spectroscopy of what chemicals are actually in the atmosphere with that we could use his models to tell if there was actually life on those on those planets. And I see Mike just opened a beer. Is that about the planets? No. It's just Cause Cause, okay, great. I've got a beer for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is called Moons of Jupiter, but, and it's by Fifth Hammer. That's the unsuccessful follow-up train put out. <laughs> because one of the moons of Jupiter, this uh, isn't actually in the book, but one of the moons of Jer- Jupiter might have life on it. And that moon is Europa. And this is a, it's not an IPA. This is an oatmeal stout that's 5% alcohol. Delicious breakfast food. Yes, my two favorite breakfasts, oatmeal and beer. (laughs) (laughs) Together at last. It's uh, quite bitter, actually. It's a a bitter stout, not a sweet stout, which um, makes me a little sad. We've been spoiled for so long. Yep. But I'll still drink it. I'll do what I've got to do, goddammit. If I have to. So anyway, this is so different. Finding finding uh, life on, on the moons of Jupiter is different than when that doctor told me I had something. Li- he was like, there's something living in Uranus. That's a, <laughs> that <was> a different <laughs> sen- sentiment, right? <laughs> I think it was a... I mean, do, the, do worms also live on the moons of Jupiter? They could. So one of... Or, so Jupiter's fourth moon... And one of the ones that was discovered by Galileo, he named Europa, or somebody else named Europa. Anyway, it is in fact covered with ice, and probably it has a after himself. So, if there's life there, they would be called Europeans. But uh, But so it's covered in ice, and it's possible that under the ice, due to like friction with the with the actual like rocky core of the planet, that there could actually be some that could create some heat, tidal friction, right? Which would yes, exactly, which would uh, create some heat, which would actually melt some of the ice that's around the outside of the core, which could then have liquid water for life to actually live in. That's the theory, at least. It could also very well not be any life on Europa. So you never know. But anyway, it is a moon of Jupiter. So the book, the main character, Robin. So the first scene, you kind of find out, you find out more, yeah. of, the, more of like the backstory as you go along. What really just used in the first scene is just the father and the son. They are on a camping trip in the Smoky Mountains. Oh, I have a beer for this. <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> I do, but I'll let you talk first. Okay, so in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, and you hear a little bit like, oh, I had to take my son out of school because he got in a fight or he got he just wasn't getting along with the other kids there. So I took him out for a week and we went camping and we're all into nature. And, you know, he's my son, who's only nine, has this book of, you know, I think it was like tree species of the Rockies or no, not the Rockies of the Smokies or, you know, he had this book of nature and he was going around. He's upset, kind of obsessed with this because he has a very obsessive nature. And is identifying all these species, which is actually, you know, fairly remarkable for a nine-year-old, or at least... But also, I can... The kind of thing I can see a nine-year-old really getting into. 
if they become that they really are into a thing that yeah those nine-year-olds could totally go and identify all those things anyway so they have a really great time they hang out they sleep outside on the porch of their little cabin they do some stargazing where you get introduced to the father starts to talk about a bazillion there he gives a number of how many exo how many planets there must be and so and it's like and so i've read all the science fiction so we're just here's a possible planet and so every couple of chapters actually the chapters are really short so it's really every 20 chapters or so he's talking about a you know here's a new kind of planet where this weird thing could happen and sort of entertaining his son that they're way like bedtime but stories yeah they're exactly they're like bedtime stories but they also sometimes are a metaphor for what's going on I, I would imagine all, every with time. His. I just didn't always get them. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Sometimes I did, but other times I didn't. But would you and say so, when they're camping, aren't they staying in some sort of hut? Spirit's <laughs> 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 called Quonset Hut from Other Half, and it's a double IPA, and it's very good. And I just wanted to start drinking it, so I had to open it before. And then the Quonset Hut, like those, like, those, like, those like sheer silver uh, yeah. half-cylinder things. Yep. I think this was made with real Quonset huts. Um, oh. Tinny. <laughs> but if you put two of them together, wouldn't that make the same shape as a beer can? Hmm? Mm. There you go. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, they're camping, and they're like, isn't nature the best? And and that's going to... I'm, I'm getting a... Getting a bit of an environmentalist vibe from this Richard Powers. I don't know if you guys picked up on that between that last book and this one. The you last know, one in this one, yeah. If you really looked, you could make the case. A little, yeah. bit, of a, a little bit of a tree hugger. Just a bit. Just a little. <laughs> well, apparently it's not what he normally, like, because this is like 13th book, and they're not all like this. A lot of them are about, like, science stuff. Oh, they're all science. I mean, I think they're all science-y from whatever. I read one other book from 2014 or something like that, 2012. And it was science-y, but it had nothing to do with environmentalism. Mm. But it was also good. So, yeah. spoiler, this one's good, too. <laughs> yep. So really? on the way back uh, from the trip, so they're there for about a week, and on the way back, they listen to an audio book, right? And they and put they it on Goodreads an... like they read it, and everyone's like, fucking, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the audio book they listen to is Flowers for Algernon, which at the time I did not realize was foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it pretty really, heavy but handed it, in the book. The flowers for Algernon stuff. When I got to the end of the book, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Fuck. That was foreshadowing. God damn it. But at the time, I was kind of like, oh, they're into science fiction. So they're listening to Flowers for Algernon. Bunch of things start happening. You get a you get a bunch of backstories. You find out more about the mom and first that her job was she ran um nonprofits, and their nonprofits were about saving animals, specifically animals that are being not just in factory farms, but also, you know, cruelty like puppy mills that are treat their animals really badly. And she ran these like nonprofits and she was, you know, it doesn't say it's the SPCA. It doesn't name the organization, but anyway, she was very important and she was very good at it. And she was always lobbying state legislatures, especially the one in Madison, because actually they live in Madison, Wisconsin, where, the main character Theo, though you only he, he his name is only used like twice in the book. But anyway, he, where Theo is a professor, so and she was also strict. She was a strict vegetarian, vegan, which also the son, yeah, vegan, which the son also is, and he very much is like you know we need to not hurt the animals. The animals are just like us. They're from the moon. Ve- is Vega a moon? Vega is a star. Star. Right. It's also a boss and and uh, Street Fighter too. Was it a boss or a regular character? Depends on which version of Street Fighter 2 you're playing, I think. That's true. They're yeah. like five. <laughs> Definitely five. <laughs> the, the, the son, Robin, he's very interested in nature. He gets in more trouble at school almost right away when he gets back. And also the school's mad. Like, you kept him out of school. And fucking so, whales his best friend in the face with a thermos. Yeah. But apparently the you finally find out what the other kid, the other nine-year-old, was saying is because... He overheard, he was telling Robin that he had overheard his parents speculating that maybe Robin's mother dying wasn't an accident. So, and then he got really mad at that, which uh, I think is reasonable. But then hitting another kid in the face and breaking their, breaking their cheekbone, I think that's what it was. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that was a 
good way to handle it. But anyway, so Theo, he takes his son out of school. For years, the school has been recommending that he does, that he takes, they put him on medication and pretty strong medication. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what their names were, but they have a very strong effect. They obviously can have a very strong effect on people. And Theo was worried that if he gives his sons these medications, like for, for his autism or to at least control his some of his symptoms, that that will have a big effect on him as a person, especially when he's only nine. And that will affect essentially how he'll grow up. And so he's very hesitant to do that. And he's looking for any solution other than that. And he asks a psychology professor, like, hey, what do you think I should do? Theo takes his son out of school and homeschools him. And in fact, it's Robin's idea. Robin says, why don't you just homeschool me? You know, this other kid, blah, 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 he gets homeschooled. It'll be fun, Dad. And the dad's like, what? No way. I have a job. I can't do that. But actually manages to figure out a way to do it because it's... Well, because the kid can get kind of into things because he's kind of obsessive. He's like, here, do this thing for six hours so I can He can learn better in his own way. He can, he can learn better. And he can learn better his own way. And he, gets, he just kind of learns. And he, uh, the father is able to turn almost everything that's like going on into a nice little lesson about, you know, social studies or about science, obviously a lot of science, but also other stuff like draw me, imagine you're taking a boat down the Mississippi and draw me, because the son also really likes to draw, draw me 10 plants and animals you would find along the way. And, you know, that's, that's the love, but that can keep the kid occupied for hours at a time, not only with the with Robin researching all these things, but then also drawing them and also and learning about all these things. And that's the way he can stay. He can both learn the curriculum, which is never actually a problem. He, he's always able to, to handle all kinds of stuff like that. But what you really find out about is the psychological experiments. This, this psychology professor was friends with Allie, which was Robin's mother. Maybe a little and more Theo's than wife. friends. Yes. So mm. they, because they were really into birding, and Theo was not like really it was like into a bird it. In he the did... hand is worth two in your bush. <laughs> <laughs> so then he finds out about the new experiment. So okay, with the doctor whose name none of us remember. I'm pretty sure. Doctor, uh, hey, doctor, something. It I'm gonna say Shivago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember his name at all. It doesn't matter though. But also, no. the dad, the dad's like, oh, this smug motherfucker banged my wife once. Yeah, like, he he thinks that. He's afraid that not only that possibly his wife was having an affair with him, but then also at one point he's even worried, like, is this kid even my son or is it his? But you never... Wait, I might not have to deal with all this shit. (laughs) This might be someone else's problem. (laughs) But it's never cleared. Like he never it's has never his, no. It's never. Like he, I in, thought it was uh, mostly just like an insecurity thing. It was no, yeah, not I really think, a real chance that was uh, the case. I think if it was actually real, then it would have brought it. He, the Richard Dick Powers, would have brought it up <laughs> in the plot. It put in that like that's really what happened, kid, guy, Mister Kid. Or is the but, point that it didn't matter because so much of the book is about empathy and you mm-hmm. know, all that stuff. Knowing about what it's like a year. To fuck someone else's wife. That's empathy. <laughs> <laughs> No oh yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, it's a deep I message. I can understand wanting to fuck his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and what it feels like when his wife handles your balls. So, so um, a year or so before Allie died, uh, the professor had asked both Theo and his wife to take part in a psychological experiment where they put you into an MRI, yeah, an fMRI machine. And then they basically like talk to you and they scan your brain while you do it. And so Theo does it and they ask him to like basically give him an emotion and just think about that emotion and feel that emotion when the brain is scanning you. And I forget what emotion he gets. Like grief or something. Yeah, terrible. Oh, grief. Yeah, that's right. He gets all Which the bummers. Yeah. He does. And then... And then the doctor's like, tells the wife, think about my penis, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, and then the wife, he's like, okay, now it's the wife's turn. And it's like, oh, she gets in, you know, they, they load her into the machine and says, okay, the emotion you're going to think about is ecstasy. And they scan her brain. And, he, and Theo was wondering, like, hey, wait a minute. And the wife, like, and, and then everyone in the room is like, wow, she's really good. The doctor's like, yeah, I, what's she thinking about? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a real girthy thought. <laughs> 
I'm not exaggerating. That's basically what happens. <laughs> a, a little bit, yeah. So he's in this brain test, and they're like, I want to do an experiment on your son. It's like, that's fucked up, man. They're like, whatever. This is for science. And he's like, it, okay. It's this or more meds. He's like, fuck it. I'll give it a shot. So the kid gets in trouble at school, and then... And the the school is saying, we're going to basically, we're going to call Child Protective Services if you, if he keeps having more incidents, but you won't have him take medication. And so Theo asks the psychologist, you know, this is, you know, a couple of years later, asks the psychologist, what, what can I do? Like, what do I do? What can I do about this? And the psychologist says, we're... This is like two months later. Okay, this is two years after the mom died. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's a couple years. This is after, and after the mom had the scan done yeah, while okay. thinking about ecstasy. So uh, <laughs> that's what it's She just loved doing. house music. Yeah, he was really pissed because he got fucking pot. He just like, oh, man, I just keep thinking about sublime. <laughs> She's like so, tasting colors. So the... Um, the psychologist says, well, I'm conducting a behavioral modification experiment right now. You can, we can enroll Robin in the experiment in this behavioral therapy modification system. And you can tell the school that he's in, a, he's in an experimental treatment program for his behavior. The school will buy that. And he's like, oh, okay, great. So they schedule the thing. They bring in Robin. And it's this... And what he has to do is stare at, uh, he gets in the F- F- fMRI also, but he st- has to see, has this, there's a screen, he stares at the screen with a dot, and you have to, basically, it's almost like practice meditation in order to actually get the dot to move. Like, it's scanning your brain, but it's not scanning your, and, and, it's respo- and the dot will move based on what your brain scan says, but it doesn't respond to, like, I want to move the dot left or right. It, you, it actually moves into the right position based on, convincing yourself to relax to relax and basically get into a meditative state but the new part with this experiment and this is these like science fiction part of this book is having robin concentrate on reacting to and robin doesn't even know this no he does know it to the brain scan of his mother well it's not know, just dead. his mom is it was it always his mom no it was always his mom yeah because oh, okay. like we ha- or maybe it wasn't maybe it, it was I think, I think it was I a mix because he, he did it for so long. It was a mix of things, but a lot of it was his mom. But after a while, it's like, well, we have the scan of your mother, so we're going to use that. And so he's learning to basically imitate the brain state of his mom. And so and he's doing this once a, once a week, every, once every two weeks. He's doing it like every two weeks, and he gets immediately better. He has much better self-control, much better able to cope with challenges and difficulties and frankly, is much happier as well. I mean, he's like really, really doing great. And yeah, again, it kind of seems amazing. Becomes a rabid environmentalist. Who becomes a set obsessed with Greta Thunberg. Well, I think the, you mean you, Inga Alder. Yes, they he used a different <laughs> name in the book, but it was pretty obvious yeah. who he meant. I like how he even chose like a very obviously Ikea name. <laughs> like, yeah. He didn't even go for a different place you know mariko a, sato like he's like no no so i get it we're, we're just like the next name in the phone book but the machine is basic purpose is to teach you how to feel empathy. like other people feel empathy yes and you know the goal is so that people can learn to empathize with everybody everywhere <laughs> this is called everybody everywhere and it's from Mass Landing, and it's a Kolsch-style ale, which means it'll taste like beer. Yeah, tastes like beer. No, I don't really understand the difference between a Kolsch-style ale and a Kolsch. I don't know either, actually. Maybe it's just a legal differentiation. I don't know. But, you know, it's fine. I mean, it might be... I wonder if it's... I don't know. I don't know is it quite like the champagne thing? Like it's only champagne if it's made here. <laughs> it's, it's only Kolsch only if it's made, made in like Kolsch. Cologne, Germany. Like, I'm yeah. not sure. That's it's where a little, Kolsch is from. It's a little smoother than I expected. But man, I haven't had like a Kolsch in forever because I'd never bothered. But I don't know the difference between like a Kolsch versus you know a regular lager versus a Pilsner versus a blah blah blah. All those other spelling. ones that spell. It's mainly spelling. Yeah. Now there are Tory spelling. There are uh, big differences in brewing practice and stylistic guidelines, but 
for the average drinker, they're pretty pretty darn similar yeah. beers. But it's nice though. I mean, honestly, it's been a long time since I had just like a beer flavored beer. And we should say all flavored beers, not just the beer flavored ones, are brought to us by our supporters over at Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, you could do so by heading over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, where you can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, swag sent out to you, vote in our monthly book poll, and get shouted out on our uh, book poll episodes, and so much more. And if that's not your thing, you could also help the podcast out by leaving us a review, uh, a good one, uh, wherever you're listening, or just go tell all your friends to listen to it before the world ends as this book makes. It's, it's rapidly Pretty approaching. It gets revealed, you know, through background information and never that much up front, but there's a lot of uh, stuff that happening aside from their life together that reveals that the world is not ending, but it is not doing great. Well, it's definitely his fears of, a, of, a, of the worst possible Trump presidency. <laughs> Yes. Like, they never say Trump, but it's clear that's what he's thinking. Like, oh, the president is mm-hmm. doing this. He tweeted in all caps again. Yeah, exactly. And there's right-wing militias roving places and conducting searches, and they've started getting rid of all the immigrants on visas, so he loses all of his uh, grad students. He's like, fuck, now I have to teach my college classes. <laughs> fuck it. Those grad students are doing all my work, so I could publish... A paper well, that only three people ever read. He's not doing any of his work, which is another problem. Because he's now full-time teaching his child. And also just like... I mean, it's not teaching the kid all the time. Like, he seems to... Like, long stretches of time where the kid just, like, paints things. And the dad also doesn't really do much work. Yes. It's like the dad is in a funk or depression without his wife. Understandably so. And the son starts getting ideas to uh, raise awareness and raise money for... Um, endangered species and such and he starts doing all these pictures that he draws and um, he's he has so he's desperate to do something to help the animals and you know help the planet as in a way you know only a nine-year-old can would thinks i'm gonna do one thing right now and that's gonna solve all of it and so his idea is first he's going to just paint is he just going to paint endangered animals and at first he's like i'm gonna paint all the animals on the endangered species list and his father's like not possible. <laughs> There's just way too many. You're not going to do that. Plus, and we're in, you know, like, oh, so what we're going to do is you can paint a bunch of them and then we'll go to the farmer's market, the local Madison farmer's market, and then we'll set up a table and you can sell them there. And he's like, yeah, my son became a instant salesman immediately, you know, convincing all these people to actually like pay. He needs trying to pay, pay for his paintings. And he ends up raising somewhere around $1,000. Yeah, he gets an, he to, gets an even G. To um, donate to the fucking World Wildlife Fund or something. that he so, Some fund he's chosen after painstaking research. And yep. they respond by sending, I'm like, thank you. And if you donate again, your funds will be matched up to $2,500, like, form letter. That's, but it, but that's it also said everything's bullshit. And $700 is going to go to helping the animals. He's like, What? Because a lot of a lot of charities have really high overhead, in which and the minimum money, wage for animals is quite high, because oh, they yeah. pay a shit ton of money to the people who are on their like board and stuff. Often, like a nonprofit organization doesn't mean people don't get a paycheck. And so, it means so people who work there still people. get paid, <laughs> but um, when it often doesn't go towards like the thing you think is going to go to when you when you donate. Anyway, so then he's mad. He's like, that wasn't enough, and of course he's really. Now, Robin is upset that he wasn't able to fix every problem in the world in five minutes. And um, he wants to do more. And there's also the other problem that's coming up is that Congress is threatening to uh, cut off funding. Well, well, first, they're threatening to cut off funding for the new space telescope, which what he's really referring to is actually the James Webb Space Telescope, this new super advanced successor to... This is in Hubble, real life. Which, the, which the, this is in real life. The James Webb Space Telescope is like many years overdue and many billions of dollars out of, you know, over budget, but because they had to just keep going back to like basically fixing it, upgrading it, making um, making sure it's actually going to work. But apparently it has, as the time where we're recording this, it has arrived at its launch site and it's going to be actually finally launched into space 
within a within only a month or two. Is it is it like is it like the one in the book where it's like a, a bunch of things and then they're going to send a second ship up to make a uh, so it mirror is not relay? that one. It's it, just a big uh, it's just a big telescope. So it is so this is a big telescope. It actually sees in infrared. It has a infrared rather than it's like visible, like like yeah, it's like the predator, <laughs> but for galaxies. Oh god! No, but it can see. It's actually not designed specifically just to find exoplanets. It's designed to just see um, really things that are just a very long way away. Which I realize is a stupid way to say it, but <laughs> see things that we that are just because it has a mirror that's like six times as big as Hubble's, so it can just see a lot more. It's it, like the concept of seeing that far is is incomprehensible to a human brain. It's like, does the telescope just like squint? To like, yeah. Which is like, what is that? It's mm. <laughs> it like leans forward a little bit. I think that's and, like, a planet. Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it's over there. It says December 18th, 2021 is when it is actually going to be launched. But the thing is with anything you put on a rocket is that sometimes rockets just blow up on the launch pad. Ooh, they're going to be crossing their fingers on that one. Yep, and not only that, but the James Webb Space Telescope is not a low-Earth orbit satellite. It's going to go way out, like a million miles out to a The one in the book was like point. past Jupiter. Is that what they're going to do with it? No, not that far. But it is still much farther away than anyone. Than, there's Basically, it can't be fixed when it gets out there. So like Where Hubble had a Hubble? problem and had to get fixed. And but but because it's in low Earth orbit, they were able to send a shuttle mission that actually fixed it. And Hubble's been great since then. But oh, I didn't know no, Hubble was that close. Hubble uh, Hubble's low Earth orbit. It's like four hundred kilometers. Essentially, so one of the things that happens in the book is that Theo go, has to go to Washington to testify before Congress, hoping to save this program from being you know uh, uh, canceled by all by those these, angry Republicans. By the House by, by the Louis Republicans Gohmert, on the House Appropriations book, Committee. Larry Gomert Berg. And uh, this is one of the many examples in the book where they think the, you know, the people making important decisions just fucking bunch of clowns, you know? It's just wearing it's like clown shoes. Were, it's like when they were fucking uh, talking to Zuckerberg. We're like, how does Facebook make money? He's like, we run ads. Like, but where does the money come from? It's like, what? That, 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 was, that was Senator Orrin Hatch who asked him that. <laughs> and then the Wait, like, your service is free right now? <laughs> <laughs> your service is free? How do you make money? And he's like, and Zuckerberg is like, sir, we sell ads. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Sir, we totally abuse your information to sell advertisements. Zuckerberg didn't say it like that. No, mm. no, because... Would have. It's very advanced lizard vocabulary. <laughs> 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 I am going to drink a beer. Bunch of clown shoes wearing assholes in this book. And in government, and this is a beer from Clown Shoes called Pecan Pie Porter. And it's an ale brewed with natural flavors. It's a pecan pie porter, and uh, it's 8% alcohol. And there's a whole little story here about Genghis Pecan. (laughs) 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 Or Genghis, if you didn't actually uh, take a history degree. And uh, he conquered all that he surveys, but he also is a strategic genius. Genghis Khan plans his meals weeks and weeks ahead. So that he arrives at the Clown Shoes Pecan Pie Eating Contest ravenous and ready for another conquest. <laughs> a seasonal favorite to go alongside a classic dessert. Pecan Pie Porter puts sweet dessert flavors inside a full-bodied and robust porter. They should have had some more conqueror language in there. Like, it tastes better than hearing the lamentation of the women that you've conquered or something. Like, I think that makes it a little too real. Oh, is it Conan? That's from Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, like, what is... What is, is like, what but is then you have to like, remember that, like... Half of Asia is descended from Genghis Khan for a very sad reason. Dude, dude was uh, fertile. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a good beer. It's pretty good. I mean, I don't really get too much pecan. pecan pie. I, haven't had, I haven't had pecan pie. Pecan lately. pie doesn't taste like fucking sugar, doesn't it? It really does. It's just like a like a hard a jello, like a hard nut pie. That's a different. That's a different thing. <laughs> that's actually why half of Asia is descended from Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, too soon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when that was, so maybe. Uh, it was the 1200s. Oh, yeah, that might be too soon, yeah. You know we have the millennia rule. Is that? Oh, fuck. Man. I got this millennia Holocaust plus material seven. I've been sitting on. <laughs> millennia. <laughs> millennia the millennia plus, plus seven. Plus seven. Yeah, yeah that's the rule. <laughs> Eventually, 
I mean, I don't remember the order because there's a, sh- a lot of shit that happened in the book is kind of told in a lot of them flashbacks. Eventually, the people in government shut down that uh, that that telescope thing. There's and, ending uh, science for the most part. Yeah, which is yeah. although when Theo goes to Washington, he he uh, um, the boys' camp. Robin <laughs> comes to comes as well, and he has a his plan. Okay, well, at this point, he's become famous. Actually, we should say because. Robin has shown such a, an amazing transformation over about a year of doing this psychological experiment and this, you know, um, behavioral therapy that... I think he gets famous after they go to Washington. No, he was already, no, he's already famous, famous He gets that. famous from, the, from YouTube when the... Uh, the this, is, this is before Dr. they go, this is is before they go the to Washington wants to make he's a, already, make he's a, already make known a presentation with him so he could show it at, like, TED, basically. So, oh, okay, wait, okay. let's back up. So... The, the psychologist asks Theo, hey, your son is doing so amazing. Would it be okay if I use a video of him in materials to like get funding, you know, to, to show at conferences and get funding? And, and Theo was at first like, no, fuck you. But then it's like, okay, fine. But you have to blur his face, disguise his voice. No one can know. He cannot be, you know, I don't want him to be a public, pub, public figure. And actually, Theo asks Robin, is this okay with you? And Robin says yes. And so he does it, and then there are just enough clues, and it's, like, amazing, and it kind of becomes a story, and there's a story in a newspaper? No, was it the Times? No, it was a magazine? Like a news anyway, YouTube channel. It was basically yeah, the equivalent no, there was a story and There was a story in a news article that they did, but they didn't use Robin's real name. They called him Jay. Jay. And then that made him... But that had just enough enough details in it that someone from a YouTube channel... Which basically, it's like Ted. That's what the... What it was? No, no. This other no, channel. No, some is other channel. He does the presentation with the doctor. Oh, that's right. So, a, so a sciencey YouTube channel that has a huge it's like following. The refinery twenty nine finds him and finds him and literally walks up to Theo at the university and says, "Hi, I would like to. Do, we'd like to do a story on your son Robin, but beca- and because of his amazing transformation." And that's when Theo was like, "Holy fucking shit! They figured out who he is." Because obviously nothing is secret when it's on the internet. It's like that, <clears> remember <throat> so a few years ago, there was a thing where um, Shia LaBeouf was putting up this like installation things of a flag that said he will not dis- um, he will not divide us about Trump. And so he'd put them up, and then instantly assholes like took the flag down. So he'd have like a camera on it. And so at one point he like put it on a private like where there was nothing to see, like no anything in the background it was just the sky and the flag and assholes on 4chan figured out where it was by like looking at the planes flying in the background and the direction of the wind oh yeah and they found it and then like put up like a pepe the frog thing there just to fuck so people on the internet will find anything if they are yeah. mot- except for you know a productive way to use their life they will find any way to use their time <laughs> Like that, or starting a book podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think it's because they're not looking, you know. So anyway, and so they gets this. He gets on this YouTube channel, and then basically the YouTube channel doesn't use his name, but at this point, it's pretty easy to figure out who he is. And then the psychologist is invited to do a TED talk, but the TED talk is like, oh, and we're, we want to bring Robin up on stage. Also, they don't call it TED, but you know what it is. Um, and then the Ted talk like goes super viral or no, the first YouTube video goes super viral and everybody in. So Robin really becomes kind of a mini celebrity anyway, which gets back to going back to Washington. Robin had made this whole fancy, like spent days working on a big banner, like save the animals. I forget what it said, but you know, that's what it meant. I think it and, probably and he's, just said and save the animals or some shit. Robin's <laughs> plan is to get a, some nice pictures of holding the banner outside of the Capitol building just to post somewhere. And then people will see that when they Google Robin and not just the YouTube video. But when they get there, a whole bunch of people kind of, Oh, you're must be that kid from the thing. And their whole crowd is looking around and they're like, and then there are too many people. And then the cops who, you know, are definitely Republicans, you know, 
basically, oh, you can't do this here. This is, there's no, you cannot protest here. You don't have a permit. And then, and it's like, okay, fine. We won't do that. We're going to roll it up. But then the kids start taunting the cops and the cops get mad. And one of them grabs Robin and Theo like says, do not touch my son. And so the cops arrest him. <laughs> that was awesome. Dad, <laughs> you showed him fought the power and the law won. Yeah. <laughs> the law won swiftly and decidedly. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty clear. The law won. Uh, and then, so that happens. And then not long after that, Congress decides to, oh no, the, the psychologist, he gets a call from basically the psychological, the, 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 it, the institutional review board. It's basically the, the group that groups that has to actually examine the ethics of ex- scientific experiments. And they're now putting a hold on the experiment on the psychological therapy, which literally means that Robin can no longer get this therapy, nor can anybody get it. I mean, it's still just an experiment. It's not like, you know, ready for wider distribution, though it looked like it was getting to be, but it was canceled. And it's sort of alluded to that it has to do with politics. Is that the that the Trumpy president or the Republicans were like, we, these, you know, nature freaks you know, liberal nature freaks, they're getting too, we're, we're going to cancel this thing because they're making us look bad. And so they, and so they do. They're going to let the Mexicans come here and take our science. And they're just, <laughs> they're incredibly closed-minded conservative caricatures, which are not that distant from some real conservatives. So, and you could tell where Richard Powers' politics lie on this. In this. No, no question. No <laughs> um, question at all. He, he's, he definitely, I can imagine for four years, just listen to NPR angrily about Trump and just seething. And uh, there's also like, well, whatever. So they cut that. And so now the dad's like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen to my son? And remember that Flowers for Algernon thing? Well, if you know what happened in that book. This is where I was like, oh, no, that was foreshadowing. No. (laughs) That really is what I thought. I'm not just making that up. I was really like, oh, fuck. Not only should I have known that was foreshadowing when it was in the book at the beginning, but now I was really sad that I feel like they what was going to happen to Robin. Another work of literature or a movie in something without it meaning something. It's true. Like, and then they watched Fifty Shades of Grey. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah. I mean, they talk about Flower Shroud comes up a bunch of times in the book. Mm-hmm. He compares himself to the mouse all the time, and and short. And then you, I guess we were supposed to realize. And it's also the guy. But wait, if you read Flash or Algen, the same thing that happens to the mouse happens to the guy. <laughs> and so then yeah. he can't get the treatment anymore. And sure enough, he starts to regress, and he loses his. It was kind of weird for a little while. Like he was like possessed almost by his mom. Like he was so in tune with the mom's stuff. I mean, that was the science fiction element of the book. More so than like the fantastical planets that the dad described was that through this weird mental Tetris Jenga game you play with someone else's memory, he like in like the mom he embodied the mom and like learned about birds, like <laughs> sympathetic bird knowledge that he possessed. Bird osmosis. Birdmosis. Mm. Which is uh, also a cocktail you can he get. He led his people out of Birdmosa. Egypt. He led the birds out of Egypt. Oh, Birdmosis. <laughs> he led his flock to the promised land. Let there my people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's a chicken. He, he's a chicken. <laughs> Farrow, so Robin Farrow, Farrow was a bit of a chicken. <laughs> so Robin starts to regress pretty quickly, and then after something that makes him upset, he just starts to banging his head into the wall, and so and he has this big bruise on his forehead. And then a couple days later, Child Protective Services shows up at his house and says, somebody called in a report because your child has this big thing on his head, has a big wound on his head. And so the father tries to explain, but of course, it just looks bad, you know, even though the father obviously isn't being abusive. And even Robin tries to say, no, no, I I did this to myself. It's just like no one in that position would ever believe that. The father decides, well, kid, let's, you know, the kid is very sad. He's really like depressed. And 
and still he's only like 10 and he's definitely getting worse. So the father's like, let's have a big adventure, a big treasure hunt. Cause he's doing all these like treasure hunt things before a big treasure hunt. Let's go down to the Smokies and let's find, I forget exactly what it was, but we'll go hiking. We'll do all this stuff. It'll be great. The same house they stayed in at the beginning of the book. Yep. And then one there, but it's the spring. It's the early spring. And so it's still, it's still not like super warm. And they're out hiking, and they find go find a river. But on the river, there are all these things that people have made. Cairn, Basically, they stacked rocks, and they're called cairns. Fucking cairns. Like, what the fuck were they talking about? They want to speak to the river's manager. Yeah, they're... <laughs> 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 and so, I, I don't... I didn't realize this was such a big of a problem. Basically, like, anything you would do to physically change the natural landscape will fuck up the environment for small creatures we don't even think about. Yes, but I didn't know there were that many of them. I didn't know there were people spent that long just like stacking all the rocks by the river. It's a, it it's a fairly like, common thing. It's probably not as serious as this scene makes it out to be, but it is something that happens. And it's not a life and death like, don't fucking do that. Yeah. As it is in this, this book. It's like, don't, you know, just don't mess with things. Just keep on keeping on. It's, I'm sure it's this sort of thing. If nobody n- knocks them down or they don't get, you know, fall down eventually, then uh, they could accumulate. But I don't, I don't think it was quite as dramatic as somebody stacks these rocks. And the next thing you know, the ocean's depopulated. I think it was a <laughs> bit of a, bit of a, a leap. And so this, the Robin is like, let's, we need to, we need to go up. Let's go up and down the river. Just getting rid of all of getting rid of all of these. And the father's like, "There's no way we can do that. There's just too many. We we couldn't possibly do it. And the water is so cold, so that like we just can't do it now. Well, let's come back. And the father says, "Let's just come back in the summer." So they uh, finish their hike and then they go and make some food and then they're like going to go to bed and then and then they like set up the tent and stuff like that. And then in the middle of the night, the, the Robin, he gets up and he says he's just going to go to the bathroom. But, you know, the father wakes, you know, father's like, where are you going? Oh, I'm just, uh, just number one, dad. It's okay. And the father goes back to sleep and then he wakes up again, realizing it's been a while and Robin is still not there. And then he's like, what, what's happening? And then he sees that Robin had gone out to the stream. During, this is in the middle of the night, gone out to the stream to knock down more of the cairns. Because the water is so cold, he now has hypothermia, and he's just huddled on a rock in the middle of the river. And the father goes out, tries to rescue him, but he can't. And the son is already, you know, close to death because he's so cold. And so he goes back, tries to get something warm to put on him, but it, it's too late. And the son just dies. Right there. Yep. Of hypothermia. And Fuck then the there's... God damn it. And then... It says, you know, there's a funeral, and then after that, and the father says, I just couldn't do anything. Couldn't, definitely couldn't work, couldn't, couldn't bother to get out of bed, couldn't watch TV, couldn't do anything, until one day, the psychologist calls and says, we can give you the therapy, too. You can, you can see your wife again. Yeah, we're not supposed to, but yeah. and your, we're going to And your kid. In. Oh, yeah, that's right. And your child. We can actually... You can do the therapy. You can. We have so many scans from your son that you can live in his mind, or his mind can live in yours. And and the psychologist is going to do this basically for free and completely in secret. It's illegal now because yeah, it's illegal. The experiment's been shut down, and so he does. And then it's basically the end. Yeah, it's pretty devastating ending. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was just going to be back to being. No, it's flowers. In- He's got to die at the end. Well, except does the does and does what's his name die in Flowers the for Algernon? Dies. The mouse the dies, mouse and does. Charlie's doesn't even understand what fucking death is anymore at the end of Flowers for Algernon. So you can't like, say he's I'm worse like than he started at the beginning of the book at the end of Flowers for Algernon. Like he can't even be independent. He has to go to the finally he has to go to the the home the home for the adult mentally handicapped people and the scribbles on the wall. Episode on he's Flowers like, of Algernon. <laughs> That took place a while ago when we did it back then, when I yeah. don't remember what that was. Check out our episode on that. So, what did you think of the book? I thought it was great. I really liked it. It's just the same themes as the overstory, 
but it's a much, but it's much, there's just much less to it, you know, whereas the overstory is a story just like this or, or close to this length, but from like three or four different perspectives, making the book two or three times as long, essentially. Overstory was probably two or three times as long as this. Um, and so least. this is, I felt like this was like, could have been only one section in the overstory and there could have been much more. But I definitely did not mind that it was short. I think it told a great story. It didn't feel like it was too short, but and it was devastating. It was so sad, oh, but fun and interesting to read all the way through. What are you, Jimmy? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Overstory was better, certainly, but that's because it's easily one of the best books I've read. This was also very, very, very good. I have nothing but praise for it. I will say it was, I don't know, it was hard. Not hard to read. I mean, yes, it was hard to read, not in terms of like reading level, but it was just, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe because I, I feel lately like at the end of this book, they lose. Everything goes to shit. Just like in Overstory. They, Overstory, at least at the end, you get the sense that the tide was turning a little bit. The planet would take care of itself once we die off. And some of the people realized what True. was going on. This was like, you're fucked. It's done. You tried and nothing works. And fuck you. And that's kind of how I felt for a while. And I feel like we had the same conversation in Overstory. I don't think things have gotten better since then. I feel like I am not qualified to assess the that. Like what's gotten better or worse. I think this was hyperbolic in his view of the worst, right? Where it's not just like a shithead president, but full on fascism is is growing. I feel like this country. wasn't this wasn't quite full on fascism. The expelling of immigrants from the country and the elimination of science and like those things didn't feel a little It was it was yeah, I think it was like this was the Beginnings of full-on fascism. So it's, we're only it's like two years in the future. Fascism. Fine. Yeah, Part, just one, just ass one fascist breast. But I also just felt like the. I mean, I I love this book. I really did enjoy it. The only thing that kept me from giving it five stars, give it four, is that it's so heavy-handed. Like it's not even remotely subtle. Like all this stuff. Like it's just yeah, you know, like this line. I thought this line was. I wanted to tell him that democracy had a way of working out, however ugly things got. But my son had this thing about honesty. Like, all right, so it's a pretty pessimistic view of everything that the guy has that I thought was... I got a little tired of that throughout the course of the book. I felt it was, like, a bit extreme. Like, like for a guy who's a great writer, like, he doesn't, do, doesn't necessarily do nuance too well. Since not I, in this one. It was not nuanced. I loved all the stuff about... Like thinking about how life could evolve and all that science fictiony stuff, I thought that was really clever and really fun. I really liked that when the kid was like, at, the kid um, instead of saying like, "Read me a story," the kid was like, "Give me a I forget, like, give me a planet or show me a planet or something like that." Yeah, mm-hmm. and like we're on Proxima Dogfuck Planet Nine, and oh, that's a bad one. That's that's it's <laughs> pretty wild. It's old. And, uh, you know, and then he would just go into what it's like and they would just kind of like explore together and talk about that. It was like such a cool idea. What a cool thing to do with your kid and encourage them to be, you know, creative and thinking about science and stuff like that. I liked all that. Uh, I thought, I thought the intense pessimism about the environment and government was, I just got tired of it after a little while. Not to say he's wrong about much of it, but it was just like, all right, dude, I get it. Every character in this book is really one-dimensional. Like, the wife, all she cared about was, like, fucking beagle puppies and chicken hawks and shit like that. And she doesn't matter at all. Like, I mean, she, like she has nothing else to her. She's a short lady who worked really hard for animals. And then the dad has, like, no... Pr- the dad is, like, clearly... Like, his view is so narrow. Like, he... Like, he, he can't look at very many things. Like, I just felt like... There was there was room for other things. I could I I could not write them myself, but that's what I felt. I do think that Overstory is better. Part maybe that could just be because that's the one I read first. Like this is very similar, but be, and because I read Overstory first, Bewilderment feels less new. I guess you could say 
less, I mean, less original. I mean, but it is original. But at the same time, it is more of like, oh, it's Richard Powers' thing. I guess there is that. But uh, um, so I, I do think Overstory is better. There's also more to it. But at the same time, more, same time, more isn't always better. In fact, it usually isn't. I would say in Overstory's case, it was. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, Overstory was, was better in every way, yes. I, I mean, I, there, there were certainly similarities in just the environmental stuff. But besides the environmental stuff, I mean, I don't know how similar they were aside from that. Like, Let's that say was, in style, both the sort of like the themes and the style in which it's yeah, written. Yeah, well, I mean, that's part of that. It's very just similar. the same, same author is going to have a similar style and in the way they write generally. And he is, you know, he's got, he's got a vibe to him. I've only read this one or the other one, but I imagine he's a consistent. I mean, it's not probably not like so obvious whereas like Stephen King where you like read a paragraph like oh Stephen King wrote this you couldn't read a paragraph say oh Richard Powers wrote this very easily but he probably has a similar cadence in the way he writes and all of his stuff he has a voice Um, yeah he does not talk about Jehubis nearly enough now that we don't know that he might just have a better word for them is that possible (laughs) no (laughs) there's no better word so you're saying Stephen King's a better writer (laughs) No, he just came up with one great, one great concept. <laughs> Peaked. <laughs> Mount Jehuvi. Um, there was one thing in this book that I thought was interesting. It was talking about how, because they're in like a not so distant future. It's like, you know, five to ten years from now, theoretically, in terms of the state of the earth and whatnot. And they talk about how there's, aside from humans and livestock, Two percent of the remaining animals are wild animals. That's insane. By mass. By mass. And I looked it up, and it's not two percent now. It's four percent of mammals. Progress. Like five years was, from now, it could be two percent. Yeah, I thought it was be like two percent's nothing. It must be a much of that. I was like, oh, it's only four. Holy shit! That's almost nothing. That's now here. Well, there are you know seven and change billion people. And, and billions of cows oh, and chickens cows. and goats. It's the cows, it's cows and, and, and pigs, pigs and chickens that actually make up more And your mama. <laughs> that make up more. Billion, if it included your mama, it might as well be 8 billion. <laughs> anyway, it's the, it's the, it's the f- animals humans raise for food that actually accounts for a huge portion of that. Yeah, it's crazy that it's that much or that it's that little. Uh, wild animals need to start gaining weight, is what I'm saying. They're really slacking. Well, the we problem is that your mom animals. is so fat, when she wears a fur coat, that species goes extinct. <laughs> so it's partially her fault. It is. That's true. That bitch. <laughs> so do you think this one's going to win the Booker? No. I don't think so either. The Overstore didn't win. This one's not going to win. I feel like it's... Um, in terms of... The, we've read a bunch of Booker winners, I feel like, either on the podcast or just in our... In our book reading together, gentlemen, I feel like this is a little too heavy-handed for the Booker win. I feel like it's just not its not good enough. And I thought it was very good. I five-starred it. But I don't think that it's... I don't think it's Booker winner material. And maybe that's because I'm comparing it to Overstory, which is inevitable, because it was two years ago. I mean, I haven't read... Whatever, I haven't read all the other entries. I've read two of them, though. I've read I only think, three total uh, at this point. And while... I can't say that this one, this one might be the best of the three. I still feel like it's probably not going to win. I do. Well, this is sort of not supposed to be consideration. Richard Powers does already have a Pulitzer, so he doesn't need an award. He doesn't need another award. I mean, maybe they'll give it to him anyway, but I feel like there's a, they will be, there will be a little bit of bias to give it to somebody new. I also, I think that's a fair point. I also think that, it's only been a few years since they've allowed Americans to be in the running for the Booker. And Americans have been kicking all sorts of ass in there. I feel like there must be a little pressure to not give it to an American every year. I want to say out of four. Four out, out of, of six are Americans, right? Out of four, out of, I want to say they've given the Booker four times. Is it six times since they allowed Americans? Um, I think Sellout. I mean, Sellout was the first. Maybe yeah. it's five. Maybe four to five, four to six ain't bad. Essentially, Americans are winning, have won most of them, because the sellout won, the Testaments won, and then... Well, she's the Canadian. Man. She's not American. Oh, you're right. You're right. She can no. burn in hell, Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Diet America. Um, uh, Lincoln and the Bardo. Didn't that win? 
there Carlos you go. George yes. Saunders, yeah. He's yeah. American. And then it was Milkman, and it was... Shuggy Bain, and he's Shuggy Scottish. Bain. So only, only two Americans, but Americans have been in there. They're the bulk of the nominees, at least. Yeah. But if Overshore didn't win, I don't think this one's going to win. It just, it, it was great. I, I loved it, but it was not as good. And I, I don't think it was as good as any of the other Booker ones nominees I've read this far, so far this year. I think, I think uh, no one is talking about this was far better. Um, I don't know. But that's I'm just surfing. me. I would take no one is that. talking about this is very different. Not, yeah. Not I mean, just they're, from they're all like, kind of going to be very different. So. This, whereas this is the most conventional novel of the three yeah. we've done. This that's is true. by far the most like this is a regular novel. Maybe that's why it won't win. I did not love Passage North, so I definitely no. would put this above that. Yeah. Tune into that episode. What if we publish that? Either before though, or after this. Though possibly on Patreon. Who knows? Who knows? We don't. All right, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter and uh, at drunkguysbc. <laughs> or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. Yeah. And, uh, and check out Goodreads. We have a group there, and we're trying to do talking things there. And if you already follow us there, because a lot of you do, thank you, go write something. Maybe Nate will, too. Fucking, fucking guy has not published one comment on there. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.